0: morning. We're reading from First Kings 3, uh, verse 3 to 15. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all of the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon, too, offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon, So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, You showed faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you and you have continued your faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me your understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, Because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked For a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and an understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all of the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream, and he returned to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And then he invited all of his officials to a a great banquet. 1 Kings 3, 3-15, to this is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Anne. Anne is the Director of Discipleship here at uh, TCC. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to see you this morning on a snowy, cold Edmonton day that all of us Edmontonians are, are well prepared for, hearty and ready for the day on a super day. It's gonna be a super day, right? Yeah. Um, I want to say thank you to our January uh, speakers at uh, TCC, all working together under the theme of uh, New Year's Wisdom in 2017, and everyone taking a little passage from the Book of Proverbs. Uh, Really cool to see how God speaks uh, through His Word and His servants. So our gratitude to uh, Sid Page and Robert Sanford and Pastor Norb and Corey Anderson and uh, Brian Clark last Sunday. Thank you, my friends, for sharing in the ministry of the pulpit here. And next week, uh, we begin a new series of messages, and we're calling it Against All Odds. Against All Odds. And I'm getting pumped for it. Yeah. This morning, uh, let's just throw one more message into the New Year's wisdom pile here and, and we're finished with that message, uh, that series and we're on to the next. I read in my quiet time this week uh, a verse that you may have leaned upon quite heavily in uh, days gone by or years gone by and here it is from the book of James, uh, chapter one uh, and uh, James says, if you need wisdom then ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Uh, I'm not going to speak from that verse this morning, but isn't it a great verse to embrace? Maybe where you're at today, just making some strategic decisions and you need the wisdom of God. And remember how valuable it is to pray in community about your need for wisdom. You never quite know how the wisdom of God will come. But don't get fixated on how you think it will come and miss it because it comes in this direction over here. Uh, I've missed some wisdom in my life because I thought, well, how would they know about my situation to be able to speak into my life? But God is always teaching me uh, to see his wisdom in a child, to see his wisdom in a brand-new Christian. To see his wisdom in a stranger. To see his wisdom in our staff or our elder team or uh, whoever it might be. And because God loves to work in community. So don't miss that. Great verse. About 15 years ago, a young man named Adam Brown was preparing to go to college. His dad, H. Jackson Brown, decided to write down the most important things uh, that his son would need to know as he prepared for life in the growing up world. And he put this advice in the form of a little booklet and eventually the book was was published under the title Life's Little Instruction Book. And you've probably heard of it. It sold millions of copies. It's worth Googling. You can just go online and, and get it. There are 1,532 short, pithy sayings in the booklet and here are the first 10. Number one, compliment three people every day. Wouldn't that be something? Compliment three people every day. Have a dog, secondly. Good thing our kids are upstairs. They they, they don't hear that. and There'd be a lot of pressure at home. Watch a sunrise at least once a year. Remember other people's birthdays. Never mention being on a diet. Have a firm handshake. Look people in the eye. Say thank you a lot. Say please a lot learn to play a musical instrument. I think I'm in pretty deep water right there. And there's still over 1,500 to go. Approximately 3,000 years ago, King Solomon did the same thing. He was the wisest man to ever live and he compiled a collection of his wisdom that he had accumulated over the years and he presented this collection to his son to help him attain wisdom and understanding and discipline. And the collection of wisdom is the book called the Proverbs. It's the original life's little instruction book and it contains uh, great advice for for helping us kind of put life together as we travel the ordinary days of life. Who was the father of Solomon, this wise man of, of the Proverbs? Solomon's dad was David. David was legendary in the Old Testament. He was Israel's greatest king, this young shepherd boy who grew up and uh, he, became, he became the leader of, of, uh, of Israel. His story is heroic and crazy and turbulent and honoring to God and yet a man who is very human. He's quite a guy with many different successful exploits, but he wanted one more and he didn't get it. He wanted to build the temple. And remember what God said, no you won't build it, but your son will. David I'm sure was disappointed, but he took it like a man. And he was walking off the stage of life, he was reminding his little group of leaders and family around him that he felt terrifically blessed by the Lord, that the Lord had allowed him to be a part of so many things in his kingship. And I think that's awesome. You may have aspirations in some areas, and perhaps it, it, it hasn't quite worked out as you had hoped it might. What a wonderful attitude when you can take the high road and you can say, God, I'm thankful for the way you've guided me. I trust you for my journey and you've been faithful to me and you have directed my my pathway all of my life and for that I I am so grateful and my life has been so rich. Well, Solomon ascended the the throne of his father David and he came to the throne not through selfish ambition, not because he was elbowing the rest of his siblings to get to the top, but he came to to, to the ascendancy of the throne by the sacred anointing of God. Uh, Mark and I have been watching the uh, TV series on Netflix called The Crown. I don't know if you've watched that at all. It's worth it. Fascinating British history. Both of us like history. And the story of Queen Elizabeth becoming the queen after the death of her father, King George VI. And somewhere in there is the the part of, of young Elizabeth being tutored. And there is the line that the monarchy is an appointment by God and that monarchs aren't just appointed, they're also anointed. And young Elizabeth ponders her role as someone anointed by God. And she humbly accepts her calling. And she has taken her calling seriously through all these many years and she's still the ruling monarch. God called Solomon to be the next king on the scene. If you could wish for anything in the world, (laughs) what would it be? Some people wish they had different abilities. I really wanted to be a gravel truck driver when I grew up. Uh, Until, uh, and I was telling some people the other day that until a gravel truck driver drove over my precious dog. And that was it for driving gravel trucks. I quickly dismissed that career. It was just, no way. Others wish for a change in their life circumstances. There's something they have that they wish they didn't have or something they don't have that they wish they did have. What would your wish be? If you could wish for anything in the world, what would it be? Could we just peel back a few layers in Solomon's life this morning? Just enough to, just to look into his heart a little bit. And I want you to see his heart, most of all this morning. I, I want you to see his heart. Uh, As he starts out on this new assignment of being in government, being the monarchy, not just an appointment, but really for him an an, an anointing. And there are so many layers. Uh, He wrote so much. He did so much. His accomplishments were so amazing. He is awesome. He's disappointing. But let's just try to look into his heart. First of all, he's inadequate and he's vulnerable. He's inadequate and he's vulnerable. First Kings 3 3. We're, we're in 1 Kings 3 this morning, if you're following with. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David. And Solomon's love for the Lord was demonstrated through his generosity. He genuinely worshipped God through offering sacrifices. And the next verse, verse 4, says that the king went to Gibeon so that the king went there and he sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. Which probably doesn't impress us or say anything to us because we don't know that process and we don't know what was involved there. But if you can cut through all the culture and the Old Testament practices, it simply meant that, that Solomon loved God with all his heart. He had deep gratitude for what God was doing in his life and he just wanted to show that to God. And God saw the love in this man's heart and when Solomon made his sacrifices, God appeared to him and spoke with him. And I just want to stop and say, when you take the time to be with God and you honor Him, and you express from your heart your gratitude to Him, God sees it. God sees that. And he senses your love and he responds. I think it's easy to put God on the schedule and say, I've got, I got a few minutes here, God. Speak to me and I've got to be on my way. Almost like we're doing God a favor to carve out some time with him. But our father longs to talk to us. He longs to spend time with us. He wants us to hear his voice. And Solomon, out of his love for God and his desire to serve him, set up the conditions for God to communicate his heart to Solomon says that night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and God said what do you want just ask wow and I'll give it to you God did not place any conditions on the king's request but he simply invited him to ask whatever he wished the incredible invitation was no doubt a bit of a test as well I mean, how does anyone respond to a question like that? How you respond says a lot about what's on your heart. And it says a lot about what you carry as the core of your character. But here's what Solomon said, and you have to love it. It smacks of humility and dependence. God was pleased. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people a, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours It's a marvelous big ask of God and God was was really pleased and God said, you made a choice. You, you might have asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, but you didn't. And you asked for wisdom. And that shows the awesome heart that you have. And Solomon, to his credit, when he prayed, he understood that he was talking to God. And he had a clear perspective on the greatness of God. I think that's number one. And then secondly, Solomon came recognizing his own limitations. He was doubtful of his own abilities. When he calls himself a little child, he means he's inexperienced and therefore dependent on God to give him the help he needs. And he came to God humbly, recognizing his limitations and his inadequacy. Um, Queen Elizabeth took the reins of the monarchy when she was 27, 28 years old, something like that. She wasn't in the office very long, And she felt terribly inadequate. She had been trained in the ways of royalty, but not in general education. So when she had to take the leadership so quickly in her life, uh, she felt really inadequate for the the tasks that she was supposed to do. And it showed up badly when she was talking to people like Winston Churchill and other leaders, because they were way over her head in the discussions that were going on. But she was very wise, and she got a tutor. And while she was doing her royal duties, she was also improving herself in areas that she had missed. And she was catching up. And there's a dramatic scene where she confronts her mother. And the queen mother, uh, and and she says to to the queen mother, and why didn't you help me with an education? And the queen mother is taken back. And she said, well, to to learn the ways of royalty is enough. We did the best we could. It's kind of that sharp moment. You know, regardless of, of where God has placed us, we, we, we perhaps, we probably feel inadequate. You might be feeling that these days too as wherever God has strategically placed you and say, oh, wow. But that's okay that we feel inadequate. <clears throat> and I think all of us could probably bring to mind some experiences where we needed God so much to see us through that we were just out of our comfort zone. When Mark and I started pastoral ministry quite a few years ago, we were kids. And we pulled a U-Haul trailer across Canada to a place that was totally new to us, near to the capital of our country. We had no experience. Bill, close your ears a little bit over here. Just close your ears to this. Bill was in, in, in the church in Prior that we, in fact, Bill, you, you met us uh, there with that U-Haul trailer and the first thing you taught me was how to run a Gestetner. Anybody know what a Gestetner is? <laughs> yeah, some people know what a Like a Like a photocopier. But uh, so, so we had no experience. I'd only preached a few sermons in my life. I had never done a funeral. I had never sat in a board meeting. I can't tell you how inadequate I felt. The only thing I had going for me was that I was naive. <laughs> and I still am. And it helps an awful lot. It's a wonderful quality. And I understand Solomon, his cry for wisdom. I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. But friends, what a good model for us, this man Solomon. When you find yourself with water rising up to your neck and you wonder what to do, begin with the character of God and his saving work. Begin by trusting an awesome, sovereign God into your situation Just acknowledge that you have someone on your team that is much bigger than you, and that you can just ask him, and he would just love to bless you. He would just love to pour his wisdom into your life. So just ask him Are you feeling inadequate these days? Join the crowd. Ask God for wisdom. Do you need a mentor? Do you need a tutor? Do you need to really ask God to supply you with divine insight for your situation? Ask God for the wisdom we need to serve him well in whatever he's called us to do. Secondly, the tap of blessing opened. The tap of blessing opened. Uh, In the days that followed, it became astonishingly clear that God had answered this prayer for wisdom for Solomon. He knocked the ball out of the park on every important decision in his life. God blessed him not only with wisdom, but with everything else, wealth and creativity and writing skills. And he had all the major skills, both the left brain and the right brain skills. He was was this one incredible human being, plus he was the king. And he set about to build a temple. And if you turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, you come to a milestone in the life of Solomon, the completion of the temple. This is the temple that his father had dreamed about. And after years of hard work, Solomon's expert craftsman tapped the last stone in place and hung the last wooden door. All the lamps were hung and polished, everything to gleaming perfection, perfect and now complete. And God's permanent house was now ready for habitation. It was a magnificent moment when the king and his people were making sacrifices to welcome God's glory into that new temple. Uh, An army of priests carried the Ark of the Covenant into the Holy of Holies. Solomon had his own house at this point. It was called the palace and it was beautiful but not nearly as beautiful as the temple. Solomon had a heart for God's kingdom. He was obedient to build the temple. And there were some great moments of worship as the temple was dedicated. When the people saw the glorious presence of the Lord began to fill the temple. And they fell down on the ground and they worshiped the Lord and they praised the Lord saying, He is good, He is good. His, his faithful love endures forever. And they sacrificed the people and the king made sacrifices to the Lord. 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. I mean, it's hard for us even to imagine this. or It's hard for us even to get this in perspective. But what it really meant was it spelled love and, and devotion and gratitude that God would be resident in the temple that was built for him. Not to say that he only lived in the temple, but, but that would be his worship place on this earth. And they worshipped him. It was a celebration like no other. And it went on for a whole week. What a wonderful model for our celebrations. Singing and participation and prayer. Entering in and everyone involved. Celebrating the presence of God and being obedient. Oh, there's just so much for us to learn from. From Solomon. But I just want to say thanks to you for being a congregation that enters in that enters in that enters into worship life enters into community life I'm glad we're not a stage with a play and we all have our lines and it's your turn to recite this and it's my turn to say this no, no, no we're, we're all the actors in, the, in God's drama and we all enter in and we all sing and we all pray and we all lift our hearts in worship and we all do it we all enter because God's our audience. Because God is our audience. Thank God for what he continues to teach us. We want God to be front and center. We don't want to just talk about him. We, we, we want to talk to him. We want to worship him. We want to honor him. We want to bless him. We want to gather around the Lord as we meet corporately. We express our love to him and celebrate his presence. This morning we're going to gather around the Lord's table we to celebrate who Jesus is. That's what communion is all about. It's a time to be very intentional, a time to say, oh, Lord, I get so busy. I get so busy from day to day, but I'm slowing down today to say thank you. Thank you for the bread. Thank you for your broken body. I'm slowing down today to say thank you for the cup. Thank you for the blood that was poured out for me on the cross 2,000 years ago. I just want to say thank you. We're going to do that this morning. So it was a big celebration. It was an awesome week for Solomon and all the people. And then at the end of the celebration, Solomon sent the people home. And it says they were all joyful and glad because the Lord had been so good to David and to Solomon and to his people Israel. And then I have to tell you, thirdly, the real world. The real world. Now, after the celebration was all over and Solomon went home, verse 12 says, Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayers. I've heard your prayer. No one was around. No more music. No audience. No one to applaud the presence of God. Everybody's gone home. Just God and Solomon. I mean, imagine yourself resting on a couch or being in bed in the middle of the night. And in an unexpected way, there comes the visiting of God into your room. And you hear his voice as God says to you as he did to Solomon, I've heard what you prayed. And he said, I like this place. I like what you've done. I've heard your praise. And then he says something very specific to Solomon. He says, Not all the future will be like this past week. Ah, reality will set in. There will once again be the horrors of war. There will be breakdown in the family and in society, and things will get messy. Why do we ever understand it these days? We feel it a little jittery these days, a little uncertain. But Solomon said, I want these sacrifices, this worship, to continue in the hard times also. It won't always be easy, but I want you to continue on the road that you started. And look at what the Lord says, At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. There will be challenges ahead, and then some people who have come and worshipped, those same people who have come and worshipped this past week will go through hard times. When they face hardships, some of them will begin to drift away. They'll lose heart. They'll become skeptical. They'll become cynical. They'll they'll compromise. But he said, when these times come, I expect four things from you and your people. I expect you to humble yourself. I expect you to pray. I expect you to seek my face. And I expect you to turn from your ways." I don't know what Solomon was thinking at that point. There was no response. But I I imagine it was pretty pretty sobering after a grand celebration of being together for a whole week. Because he knows mankind. He knows what people are like. Oh, he's seen it in his own life. He's seen it in his dad's life. He's seen it in his grandparents' lives. He's seen life And he's seen hatred and discrimination and war and relational conflict. I mean, he's no wallflower. But look at the promise that God gives. If when you come in these dark moments and you humble yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. It's a beautiful promise. And it's for us. Because when we struggle and fall, the Lord says to us, I still love you. I still love you. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek my face. Look for me. And turn away from what you've been doing. You need to hear this today. Just get up. And move forward. Bring your brokenness. Let the healing begin. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place for I've chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy. A place for my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it for it is dear to my heart. <laughs> my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer. And as we look ahead, that's what God says to us. Humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn from your ways, and he'll hear our prayers, and his eyes will be open to us on our behalf. We're praying these days as we look to the future. Uh, we're praying for God's wisdom. We believe that he wants us to lead the way in planting a new church over in the Southwest. We're excited about it, God's putting it on our hearts. He's putting on some of your hearts to be the launchers. Uh, Some of you are going to wade into, into something unknown. I say, good for you. Into areas that you've not been in before. And by God's calling and grace, we want to be part of reaching another community. And we believe that God will open the right doors at the right time. We don't have it all figured out. That's why we need the wisdom of God. But we're praying. And if you're feeling a bit of a tug in this direction, just know you're welcome. Uh, And oh, there is some realness in a church plant. Expect some struggles. Expect some challenges. They will surely come. May our ears be sensitive as the Holy Spirit to the Holy Spirit as he leads us in the days ahead. Solomon. Oh, there's so much more to be told in his story. I wish the end was as joyful as the beginning. Solomon himself began to lose his heart for God. I, I, he began to lose his passion to worship. And that's a whole other sermon. But God called this man, and, and he, he is a marvelous story. He asked for wisdom, and God gave it to him. He celebrated after the construction of the temple and the people basked in the presence of God. He entertained the visitor in the evening hours and he heard God's clear direction for power and success for the future. Humble yourself, pray, seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. And we hear the same word for our hearts today. 3,000 years have passed, a lot, a lot has changed. The promise of the Messiah through the line of David all came true. We heard last week that Jesus is in the Proverbs through the wisdom of God because Jesus is wisdom. And Jesus is also the one who forgives us and restores us and renews us. As we come to the table of the Lord this morning we're reminded that Jesus provides a way for us to have a relationship with the Father. In fact, it's a very personal, intimate relationship and, that Jesus has with us. And it's brought about through his death and his resurrection. God loved us so much that he gave his life, his, 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 his only son, Jesus, to step into our place and take our sin and our, our shame and our guilt. And the wisest thing you can do is to be like Solomon and just admit I'm like a little child. I can't make it without you. God, would you come and take my hand and and guide me? And Jesus came and his, his one mission, his only mission was to reclaim us from our lostness and our sin. He died on a cross. It was personal for every one of us. And his horrific death And his resurrection validated that God himself came to us and took our place. So, friends, when we take the bread this morning, and when we take the cup, we're saying, I know what you did for me, Jesus. And I thank you. Thank you as I eat this bread. Thank you as I drink this juice. I love you, Lord. That's our response to him. I love you, Lord. If you're ready to receive these elements this morning, I just invite you to, to take them as they, as they are distributed to you. If you are uncomfortable to receive these elements because you still are on the journey of coming to know him, just feel comfortable to allow them to pass. That's, that's wise and biblical. If you know him, though, and you love him and you serve him, may these elements bring encouragement and a recommitted heart this morning. Pastor Norb's going to come. We're going to offer our thanks as a congregation for this amazing love of God. I'm going to invite the servers, if you would come forward as well. And we're going to prepare ourselves to distribute the elements.